All right, if you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 11. We're back in the series, but it happens to fall right into place with some of our American history and some of our bad history and some of our good history. Hebrews chapter 11, and I think we left off at verse 22, so we'll start with verse 23 and go through verse 28. I'd like to entitle this message, uh, Beware of the Kidnapper. Beware of the Kidnapper. Every year in America, 1.5 to 2 million children are reported missing. Stray, stolen, snatched, murdered, abuse, sold. And the great kidnapper that we have today has a lot to do with our society. But the devil uses four things to kidnap our children. And so I want to preach on that. You know, a lot of, a lot of times even snatch children's uh, mind they're still at home, and uh, they, 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 they kidnap them because they lose their allegiance and their love uh, for home, and they lose their respect for their parents. And so they've been kidnapped. And so I'd like to preach tonight on the dangers uh, that we have as parents and our future as Americans, and that is to um, protect our children. And with everything we have, we ought to protect our children in these last days. Uh, Hitler said, you give me the uh, child and give me a teenager, I'll change a nation. And he almost did. And some people gave their life to combat him, but it was too late. And uh, there was several people died. So I want to preach on two heroes tonight, Amram and Jochebed, two heroes, parents. Amen. What a wonderful privilege it is to, to train up a child in the way he should go. And uh, that word trains a powerful word. So we'll, we'll, pre we'll preach on that in just a minute. All right, let's, let's stand in honor of the Lord of God, verse 23 through 27. Sure is good to see you tonight. I'm going to tell you, I didn't know how happy I would be to see you, but we usually have about four or five. And it's hard to preach to four or five because those four or five, they think they know it all and they just walk out and, and, and they don't listen, go to sleep on me, you know, and not really, brother, I'm just kidding. Uh, but um, it's good to have 40 or 50, amen, or whatever we got. It says, by faith, and that's a key word, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents. Because they saw he was a proper child, a special child. Amen? And it says this, and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. Uh, so that shows a problem in politics right there. And by faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of the Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer the affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season, esteeming, key word, the reproach of Christ's greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he had respect unto recompense of reward. And by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, there it is again, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for the good song service. Enjoyed every bit of it. And Lord, even though it was brief because we have no handshaking, no offering, uh, Lord, it's just such a blessing to hear the singing and the praise that you so deserve. Thank you for this privilege to come. Thank you for the health and strength. I do pray for our congregation, God, that you'll protect them, that you'll watch over every family. And God, I pray that you'd help us to keep meeting together. And God, that we would be back to normal soon. And God, have activities and fellowships. Sunday school, master club, uh, just a good time of fellowship after and before services. 
God, thank you for our folks' patience and kindness and courtesy when it comes to thinking about the elderly and the uh, medically handicapped. And Lord, I thank you, dear God, for their concern and their cooperation during these times. Thank you for our ushers, Lord. I know it's a very difficult job to wear those masks and usher. God, you've used them in a special way over these months. And Lord, we know that we're not over this, but thank God I see the light at the end of the tunnel. But God, keep us safe. And Lord, help us to uh, thank God for this opportunity to worship in a real church. And we'll thank you and praise you for what you do in and through this message in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, there's, they were just slaves. That's all they were. Uh, Amram and Jochebed were slaves. Uh, just ordinary slaves. And, but they had a, a different viewpoint of their child. And folks, it made a difference. And they raised a Moses, a liberator, a lawgiver. Their son freed the slaves. Amen? You talk about liberation and freedom. Here it is in the Bible. And folks, now there, uh, there were forces, though, that, that tried to snatch Moses but the parents would not let him go. Folks, a lot of times today it just seems like we let our children go. They just drift around and they don't have any direction and they don't have any training. And Amram and Jochebed said no to the Pharaoh. Look at verse 23. It says, by faith when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child, special in God's eyes, and they were not afraid of the king's command. In other words, they made provision to save their child. The Bible says in Proverbs 22 and verse 6, it says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. It didn't say teach a child. It said train up a child. There's a big difference in teaching and training. Teaching is part of training, but folks, training is much more than teaching. Amen? Someone could come and buy and teach them something else if all you're going to do is teach. They need more than head knowledge. They need a heart for God. Amen? They need a heart for the Word of God. And train means prepare for a contest. I looked it up. It also means instruct by exercise. It means to drill. I don't know about that. It says marching our kids around. Amen? It means to form a proper uh, uh, viewpoint. And it means to discipline. Discipline. And train literally comes in the Hebrew, in the Old Testament, from a word from the midwives. Uh, they'd take their index finger and dip it in olive oil, and then they would dip it, that same finger, into crushed dates. Boy, that's, that's, that sounds delectable, don't it? Crushed dates. It'd have to be pears for me. And they'd touch the little baby's palate of that baby, and that would do, do something to him that he'd have a sucking instinct, a nursing instinct. It created a desire in that child to take nourishment. So literally the root word for training, train up a child ways to go, is that you um, uh, develop in that child a desire for God. And I'm afraid today there's a lot of people roaming the streets of America that have no desire for God. All they have is a desire for the unholy trinity of me, myself, and I. And it's pathetic. Little spoiled brats can't get their way. I'd lock them up for about 10 years. Take that off the tape. Anybody? But anyway, uh, folks, listen. There's, there's a vicious force today that is vying for the hearts and the soul of our children. 
And that's the heart and soul of our future. Amen. They get your they get the children, they, they get the future. And folks, communism and other isms that have snatched children away, they know the power of going after children. We need to start early in the formative years. And we need to be faithful parents to set the example. And we need to whet the appetite. I guarantee you, you can take your index finger and touch the top of your uh, uh, mouth. Don't do it now. It's probably improper. And it might be, you might have, you might have shook somebody's hand. Don't you do it. And uh, it'll, it'll cause you to uh, swallow. Just try it when you get home. Amen. I challenge you. Just go home, touch the inside of your mouth after you wash your hands four times. And folks, I want to tell you something. Uh, there's four kidnappers, four kidnappers that go along with uh, some of the things I gave you. And I still got my history lesson right here, 25, 28 handwritten pages uh, that I pull out every year. And when y'all see this, y'all start groaning and complaining and saying, oh my goodness, hope you don't pull out all those uh, shrimp versus Abington and all these cases. I'm going to do it, but just a little while, just a little while, amen. Um, I told uh, Jason at lunch today, I said, you're going to preach next July 4th. This is too much pressure on me. And he said, well, I won't preach all that history. I'll just preach on freedom. I said, well, preach whatever you want to, amen. But uh, I like the history because, folks, we've messed up in our history, and we don't need to let history repeat itself. That was my worst subject in school because I didn't understand why do we need to study history. I even had Georgia history when I was a kid. Amen. Y'all ever had Georgia history? I'll never forget that. Georgia history. And um, the reason is we can learn something from history. We shouldn't make the same bloomed mistakes, pardon the expression. We ought to learn from history. And uh, I'm going to give you four kidnappers real quick. Number one, liberalism in the church. Liberalism in the church. I want to tell you something. I thank God for this church. I thank God for what we believe. I thank God for old-fashioned, fundamental not Cain Tankers against everything else, but separated, soul-winning, Christ-honoring church. Bible-believing church. You'd be surprised how many churches are out there that don't believe the Bible. And all they do is teach politics, especially in the black uh, churches. They just want to teach, uh, preach a lot of politics and preach on Martin Luther King and, and all kinds of things. And that's fine, but you better get some Bible because that's going to set you free. History's not the whole uh, thing. Liberalism is deadly and it's dangerous. Uh, folks, look at Acts chapter 20, what Paul thought about liberal preachers. Acts chapter 20, verse 28 through 30. And this town's full of them. It's full of them. There's liberal people. People don't believe the Word of God uses these uh, uh, transliterations and perverted versions. And, and folks, it don't alarm us anymore because so many people are doing it. Well, you ought to thank God for your church and you ought to drive from another county if you have to to get here. Amen. I believe that because it's the future for your children. And the devil wants to snatch away your children by getting him settled for religion. A lot of religious but lost people in this world. And these children grow up in this stuff. And it's dead as a doornail or it's as exciting as the world. And folks, I believe it ought to be exciting as God. And I believe it ought to be some enthusiasm about, about this thing. We ought to worship God. We ought to thank God for it. We ought to praise Him in song. Uh, I feel sorry for California. They can't even sing now. You know? And so, folks, listen. Um, when you sing, um, do it for the Lord, and you don't have to spit on somebody. Amen? Uh, that's why we don't have a choir. I'd love to have a choir. I just don't think it's safe right now. Cartersville had a major breakout when this first thing started because of the choir. I mean, there was 100 people in the choir praising God, and they all got sick, you know? And so, friend, listen, uh, I, I hate this. I, I dread this. 
You know, but praise God, this is a step in the right direction. Y'all sound like a great choir a while ago. Acts chapter 20. Look at verse 28. Acts 20, 28. Real quick. I'm going to try to lay it on the line and do it quick because we have no nursery, have no restrooms. We have nothing. We got a parking lot. No, we got, we got that. We got uh, restrooms. Praise the Lord. I think it's the front bathrooms or restrooms. Uh, I don't know why anybody calls them bathroom. We're not here to take a bath. Amen. We're here to rest in the restroom. Amen. But don't all go at once. Amen. We can't have that. But anyway, Acts chapter 20. I'm not trying to be flippant about all this stuff. Acts chapter 20, verse 28 through 30. The Bible says this. I'll get there in just a minute. I'm slower than I used to be. It says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves, to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers, to feed the church of God with, with which he has purchased with his own blood. Thank God for the preaching on the blood. And thank God for the songs about the blood. But look at verse 29. It says, For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. And also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Folks, listen, liberalism is deadly, it's dangerous, and it's deceptive. And folks, it's getting the next generation. And a lot of people are coming to church just for the show. No, we ought to come to see Christ. Uh, a lot of churches have come to the church just for a filling. We ought to live by faith that brings filling. Say amen. And so in 1950 in America, our child's uh, lost their innocence. They were liberated by the parents' uh, music, movies, automobiles, um, uh, educated them. Uh, they lost their freedom at the same time. In the 1960s, they lost their authority. Uh, they rebelled against everything, teachers, parents, uh, church, government, and religion. 1970s, they were, they were left with nothing to believe and became known as the me generation. 1980, uh, to this present day, uh, they have uh, come, come because there's no authority and they, say, they feel like there's no love and there's no consistency. Uh, they are a generation of no hope. And that's why we have thousands and thousands and thousands of suicides, and not just physical suicide, but spiritual suicides. And so the only way that hope can be restored is through this book. The only way hope can be restored is believing this book. And folks, I want to tell you something. It is amazing to me that some people travel across the nation because Junior got a scholarship, and they won't travel across town to find a Bible-believing, fundamental, uh, uh, Christ-honoring church. Folks, listen, what are we after? Prestige and power? Money? Folks, listen, we should be after God. And folks, I want you to know that uh, the second thing, the second kidnapper of our children, uh, and this could have definitely taken Moses, turn back to our text, um, is humanism in the school. Humanism in the school. Folks, listen, uh, the Bible says, by faith when he was come to years refused to be called the son of the Pharaoh's daughter. Come to years means that he went to school in the University of Egypt and he was educated. He became a great military man. He knew all the strategies and he had some great conquering, Josiah says. Uh, and folks, listen, uh, but his parents knew that he was special. In God's eyes. And they said, I'm not, we're not going to do that. And by 
a beautiful, beautiful providence of God, his own mother got to teach him in the formative years because the Pharaoh's daughter said, I need a babysitter. Miriam just happened to be around and says, I know one that's really good. She's an expert teacher for babies, especially called Moses. And she went and got mama and got paid for it, praise God. Made a good living, teach her own child. And in those formative years, all the University of Mama overrode all the University of Egypt. Isn't that great? And folks, listen, there has been a movement going on in our country for years to remove everything godly in the local church. Here I am, I'm pulling, this, I'm pulling the history. In the case in 1962 that removed school prayer uh, remember uh, the case in 1892 uh, used 87 presidents in the case in Supreme Court case to say that we were a Christian nation. 87 presidents. Uh, teachings of Christ have to be everything we do and everything we do. That what was the Supreme Court passed in 1892. And um, in this first case, 1962 case, uh, there was no presidents, no legal cases, no historical instances. They just made an announcement. We will not have prayer in school anymore. And that violated the Constitution. Without a historical legal base, a brand new direction in America called humanistic began. The humanistic manifesto is a wicked doctrine of uh, humanism, which is the new religion of the day. And within 12 months um, of time, on June 17, 1963, in a case called uh, Abington School District versus Collette, uh, or uh, versus Shemp, um, they, they completely removed prayer. They completely removed Bible reading. They completely removed religious classes. And they completely removed religious instruction. That was a radical change. Because in 1946, no one could graduate from the public schools without a Bible course. It was required to study the Bible and pass a course on the Bible in 1946. Now, some of y'all was born in 1946. You remember it well. And folks, Abby versus Shemp removed Bible reading from the church, from the school. Uh, every textbook uh, that quoted from the Bible was dismissed. God was dismissed. And uh, in this early, and, and folks, listen, it was, uh, it was removal of God and his, his presence. Uh, this Abington School District versus Shemp in 1963, I want to tell you what the Supreme Court said in this ruling. It says, if portions of the New Testament were read without explanation, they could be and they have been psychologically harmful to a child. That's what the Supreme Court of the United States in 1963 said that if portions of the New Testament were read without explanation, they could be and have been, uh, have been psychologically harmful to a child. And then that 22-word prayer, we acknowledge our dependence upon thee, they're praying, we beg thy blessings upon us and our parents, our teachers, and our country. Amen. They took that prayer and they kicked, kicked prayer out of the school. And oh, what a difference. I won't go into the suicides. I won't go into the murders. I won't go into what happened. But folks, you know how everything has digressed and de-evolved. And oh, it's so sad 
Um, George Washington said this, reason and experience uh, both forbid U.S. To, for us to expect that we can maintain national morality with the exclusion of religious principles. Now, I like that kind of president, amen? And then, and, and then in 1962, they took out prayer. 1963, they took out Bible reading. 1965, um, uh, they took out prayer over lunch at, at schools. In 1967, DeKalb versus Spain, uh, the court took a four-line nursery rhyme and called it unconstitutional. And uh, they said this K-5 kindergarten class court said that it's unconstitutional nursery rhyme because... It didn't say anything, uh, didn't use the word God it contained in this nursery rhyme, but they said someone were to hear it, they might think it was talking about God. They might think it's talking about God, and that would be unconstitutional. Now, that's a sad day. In 1980, the case went to the Supreme Court of the Ten Commandments, and the court said it was a passive display. That means they weren't forced to read it. It didn't read out loud to them when they was walking down the hall. It was a passive thing. In Stone B. Graham versus Kentucky, uh, the court has it says if the court has any effect at all. Um, uh, the the student, student to read them. If they read them, they said they might meditate on them. And if they meditated on them, they might respect them and they might obey them. And that would be unconstitutional. Now, folks, I don't know what's so unconstitutional about thou shall not kill. I don't know what's so unconstitutional about thou shall not commit adultery. I don't know what's so unconstitutional about not saying honor thy father and thy mother. James Madison said this, we've stated the whole future. And not only the, uh, in the power of government, he said, but the future of America is not on the new document, the Constitution of the United States, We've stated the whole future, all our political institutions, upon the capacity for each and every one of us to govern ourselves according to the Ten Commandments. Now, I won't go on any further because I'm going to bore you with this. But folks, there was a radical change in the school system in the early 60s. A radical change in the 1940s. It began. And I want to tell you what had happened. Teachers became humanistic. That don't sound too bad. Humanistic, like that's humane, but it's not. Humanistic, you know, it might mean human. But folks, it's a, it's a terrible doctrine. Let me give you Article 1 of the hum, Humanist Manifesto. And I quote, Religious humanists regard the universe as self-existing and not created. That is, we do not believe that God created the world. Article 7 says, the distinction between the sacred and the secular can no longer be maintained. That is, there's nothing sacred. Everything is secular. Article 10 says this, it follows that there will be no uniquely religious emotions and attitudes of the kind hitherto associated with belief in the supernatural. They do not believe in a supernatural God. It goes on to say, we believe, however, that traditional dogmatic or authoritarian religion has that place revelation, God, ritual, or creed above human needs and experience do uh, a disservice to human species. No deity ha will save us. We must save ourselves. Promise of immortal salvation or fear of eternal damnation are both illusionary 
and harmful. Folks, humanistic sounds like a good word, but there's another word for it, atheism. Just don't believe in God. And the results is, in the 1940s, 1950s, on through the present time, the battle for hum humankind's future was waged by these proselytes. Uh, they were trying to steal the children's mind. They're saying, and, and they, they had a key word, values clarification. And what value clarification means is that uh, uh, it's, it's a little psychological game that's played where you can, you can justify anything if it makes you feel good or if it makes you feel like a better person. And folks, that is so wicked. And that is so subtle. And folks, that's the dogma of the state-run school today. And when you make um, that your priority, uh, the children's minds are being kidnapped. Kidnapped. A preacher um, once got all incensed because his son was made to read something that was filthy, had some bad words in it in the school literature. And he got that book so full of dirty words and filth, he took it down to the principal's office. I mean, this must have been an independent Baptist preacher. And he walked in and he said, I want to talk to you. The principal said, have a seat. And he said, I, I, can, I can say what I'm going to say standing up. He said, you see this book? He said, my son's not going to read this. And furthermore, you're not going to mark him down on a grade for not reading it. He said, now, sir, you stay here. And they brought in the curriculum consultant. And he stood in and wanted to talk to the preacher. And he said to this preacher, now, sir, your child is not going to read anything in this book that he won't read on the restroom wall. That's real logical. And the preacher said, well, when you make the restroom wall required reading, we're going to have another session, amen. And I'll tell you, that was a good comeback, amen. And I want to tell you something, friend. We need to realize that, number two, there is a humanistic school system in the United States of America, and it's capturing our children. It's teaching they don't need their parents. It's teaching they don't need God. And, folks, uh, the, uh, the, the beginning of it was prayers outlawed, Ten Commandments is outlawed. Praying's outlawed, and don't even have a nursery rhyme that might incline that it's about God. We're in trouble. And then number three, there's another kidnapper. Uh, Moses really could have got kidnapped by this. Paganism, Paganism in society. Paganism in society. It says, by faith when he came to years, he refused to be called the son of the Pharaoh's daughter. Pharaoh was wicked. Pharaoh had many gods. And he said, choosing rather to suffer the affliction of the people of God than enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season. I want to tell you what is promoted in the United States and all around the world. Sin for a season. Live it up. Have a good time. It's popularized uh, on TV, movies, literature, uh, internet, and music. Just live it up. And folks, I want to tell you something. It's pagan. Well, we don't need to live it up. We need to live for God. And then it's the greatest joy in the world to have holiness in our life and have separation. And then number four, uh, and I'm probably the most dangerous, and I'll dwell on this just a little while, and I'll have you out here before seven. I think the biggest danger is found in verse 23 through 25. The Bible says in verse 25, it says, Choosing rather to suffer the affliction of the people of God than enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season. Verse 26, Esteeming the approach of Christ's greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. 
for he had respect unto recompense of the reward. Folks, I want you to see number four, not as our paganism in society that can be a kidnapper, but can really kidnap your children, is materialism in the home. Materialism in the home. He said he's seeming the reproach of Christ's greater riches than treasures in Egypt. He was he could have been a multi billionaire if he just chose to be the son of the Pharaoh. And he refused that. Esteeming. That means reckoning. Figure it out. Folks, we need to teach our children there is more valuable things than money. There's more valuable things than prestige. There's more valuable things than political clout or popularity. And folks, I want to tell you something. There is a standard that needs to be fixed in a, a heart or your children will marry wrong. They'll marry somebody for their money. When they ought to refinance and go to the bank again, amen? Don't marry somebody for your money. Uh, they'll marry somebody for popularity because they're a hunk or, or she's a, you know, beautiful and, and it's all the fleshly reasons to marry. And folks, we need to realize um, how this works. We need to esteem the reproach of Christ's greater riches. Christ's greater riches. The riches of peace and joy and love and respect. The riches of a happy home and a, and a child that uh, loves God's truth. Amen. Um, Thomas Jefferson said this, the reason Christianity is the best friend of government is because Christianity is the only religion in the world that deals with the heart. Thomas Jefferson said it right. It deals with the heart. We got to deal with the heart. John Adams, there is no government armed with power which is capable of, of contending with human passions. If there's passion, passions aren't bridled by morality and religion. Folks, listen, we need to realize that no religion, or excuse me, and, and no government can control the passion of young people, control the heart, but they knew that God can control the heart. And there's violence and crime and divorce and teenage pregnancy and abortion that I preached against this morning. And folks, the truth's falling in the street and there's people looting and burning and, and, and violence. And folks, we need to realize that God wants us to realize that he's trying to get our attention. And we need to transfer this appetite. Remember, train up a child the way she goes. We need to implant in them early a desire, an appetite for the things of God. They ought to love church. They ought to love God's word. They ought to love God's preacher. They ought to love uh, the youth department. They ought to love uh, Sunday school. They ought to love the word of God. And folks, they get that from your love and from your appetite and from your desire. Amram and Jochebed are heroes. The reason they're heroes, they saved a whole nation of people by training one liberator, one man of God, one lawgiver, one that got involved in politics, yes sir, and rebuked them all and praised the Lord, stood against the Pharaoh and withstood the Pharaoh's trap. The Pharaoh wanted to kidnap him. And several times he had a chance to become Pharaoh and he refused it because the Pharaoh's daughter married twice, half-brothers, and he refused both times. And had to go to the backside of the desert and God humbled him for 40 years. And folks, we just need to realize that God is calling us back to him. But pride and self-indulgence and the humanistic manifesto is seeping into the minds of our children saying, I don't need God. I don't need authority. 
All I need is what I want. It's almost like somebody's on the street sucking their thumb, saying, give me that or I'm going to break a window. God help us. And folks, I'll tell you how that could have stopped. When that little boy was about seven years old or eight years old, and he broke the window because he was pitching a fit, that he was severely disciplined. Amen. Amen. That would have cured it. And folks, I want to tell you something. We need to realize that there's a lot of stuff going on that should break our hearts. And there's a lot of stuff that uh, our young people are gnawing on. It's like an old dog gnawing on a bone. And the only way to get, 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 not get bit is give him a big steak. He'll drop that bone every time. Amen? He'll go for that steak. We've got to teach him the steak of the Word of God. And thank God the joy of fellowship, and the joy of church, and the joy of old-fashioned religion, and the joy of, of peace and purpose, the joy of a happy marriage. The, the, the joy of a godly leader. Some of you ladies say amen. A godly leader. I said a godly leader. One that wants to come to church. One that will come with you. and One that will uh, uh, lead you and guide you and protect you. And Children, you ought to thank God if you've got a parent like that. You ought to thank God if you've got somebody that's uh, wetting your appetite for God. And so there's four enemies. Materialism in the home. He did not succumb to it, but he saw a greater vision. This year, we started out 2020 with this theme, a greater vision, a greater vision to see Christ. Little did I know, little did I know that we was going to go through all this junk. I might have changed the theme. Maybe I brought the thing on. I don't think so. I want to give you one more quote. Can y'all take one more quote? I, I'll put it up for a year if you'll take one more quote, okay? You know, the founders believe in accountability. Where is that gone? Accountability. You do wrong, wage of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. And folks, the reason a lot of people are not getting saved, they're not, they're not, they're not, they're not accountable to God. They don't even believe God. They believe in themselves. They've been taught uh, some junk about them being sufficient in themselves. That's humanistic. That's the new world religion. It's growing faster than Muslim, uh, Islam in the United States of America. People are not Islamic. They're just ism. They're I-ism. They're full of themselves. But I want to show you what this, the founder said. He said, um, as a nation cannot be rewarded and punished in the next world. So this nation. So they must be in this by an inevitable chain of causes and effect. And providence punishes nation's sin by national calamity. Let me repeat that. He said providence punishes national sin by national calamity. And folks, I want you to know this. is not only do we have a national calamity, we got a worldwide calamity. And you might not think it's real, but you just go on over there and you look at the graves in Brazil and you look at the graves in Argentina and you'll see them there everywhere. And they can't handle it. Thank God for our medical teams. Thank God for the help that we're getting. But I want to tell you this, friend. I believe God is trying to get our attention. And we kicked the Bible out of, out of the school. We kicked his Ten Commandments out of the school. We shook our fist and said, we ain't even going to pray because we don't need to pray. I'm my own God, some little 
teenager waves their fist at God and says, I don't need my parents' authority. I don't even need God's authority. He said, okay. You don't believe that way? You don't be, you don't be smart pants? You don't think you pulled yourself up with your own suspenders? And he snaps them. And he halts all the world in one day. One virus. You say, oh, it's not real. Well, I can take you right down the street and show you a whole family that's got it. A whole family that say it's real. And I'll tell you this, friend. God help us to realize in these last days, God has given us the last three years a span of grace. He's given us another chance with somebody that's not going to blast us for loving the Bible and restrict us for coming to church. And thank God for our governor, but thank God for our president. And folks, I, I, you might not like a lot about him, and I'm not being political. I'm just saying God's given us a space of grace. I don't even know why he believes what he believes. Maybe he got saved. I don't know. I'm not here to judge, but I'll tell you one thing. Sure, I'm glad we've got a, about 150 conservative judges assigned the last three years. Amen. And folks, most of them supposed to be anti-abortion, we thought, and pro-God, and pro-decency, and pro-Bible. Thank God, that's a, that's a life changer. But folks, we better not drop our guard. Because the enemy of the church, of godliness, of purity, of old-fashioned accountability, is raging worse than the virus. Yes, I'm telling you, politics can take anything and use it. And they will. I promise you. But folks, I want to tell you something. God's allowed it. And I don't know why, but I know one thing. I'm listening. I'm saying, God, please forgive us. Please, God. I don't know how. I don't know how we allowed prayer to be taken out of school. I don't know how we had the Ten Commandments taken off the courtroom and the judge fired because he refused to stand up against the authorities. I don't know how we came to the point in the United States of America that there's a general feeling just, just, just do away with all police force, all law and order, and rule by something. I don't know what in the world they expect is going to happen, but there's going to be a lot of deaths and a lot of problems when they don't respond to calls because they're so undermanned. Because I wouldn't be a police if you paid me. Sorry, Mark. I wouldn't be a police right now if you paid me. You wouldn't either, right? Amen. Thank God you're retired. But folks, it's a bad day. It's a sad day. It's, it's unbelievable that we don't want any authority. Well, folks, they were taught that when they were kids. And so if we're going to turn the tide, we got to get back to God in the home. It's the only hope we have. It's the only hope we have is to get back to God and ask God to teach our children to respect and fear God. We need to train up a child. Train up a child. What a blessing. That old Chase come in yesterday. God bless him. Every time he comes by, he's starving. The boy needs to eat before he gets to my house. I'm telling you the truth. And he was headed to your house. 
And man, he, he got all the leftover pork, piled it on the thing, started eating up, had his girlfriend, and she ate, she ate as good as he did, and she was skinny. It was amazing. I said, glory to God, I didn't want no leftovers. That's wonderful. And we'll feed, any, we'll feed anybody that drops by. Amen, Brother Steve? Anybody that drops by, we'll feed you. And I thought to myself, here's a guy, sharp young lady, modestly dressed, uh, beautiful smile, talk about the Lord. She can bake cupcakes. I'd marry her in a second. If I was Chase, if I was Chase now, if I was Chase, I didn't say me. If I was Chase, I'd marry, praise, cook cupcakes like that. I think her mother cooked them, but she'll learn. And I thought to myself as I looked at old boy smiling, happy. About 11 years ago, he wasn't happy. Because mama committed suicide, spiritually and physically. I was at the funeral. I preached some of it. Kevin Priest, and I believe Jeremy Priest, and we all preached. The whole family preached. And I thought to myself, what a difference 11 years have made. Those Mark Crazy Coffee, sorry, Mama, said, we're going to take those two boys in. I know the other, others could, but it was God's perfect will for them to be missionary kids for 11 years. I live over there in South Africa. And, folks, I want to tell you something. I don't even know if the boy would respect God if that hadn't happened. He'd be my poor cussing or fussing or complaining. And boy, if he did that, it'd be the wrath of Brother Wayne on him, amen? But he was so happy. So happy he had a free meal, I guess. But he's so happy. So happy he had a beautiful girlfriend to cook, to cook cupcakes. I praise God. He's just happy. And the reason he's happy, praise God, he's going to be a missionary. Praise God, he's going to do something for God. Folks, I want to tell you something. Don't ever underestimate the home. It's better than the university. If you don't believe it, the University of Jacobed outdid the University of Egypt. Amen. Folks, start in the home. Start young. Stay by the stuff. Don't let this wicked government cast and kidnap your kids into humanism. Stand for what's right. Stand for the word of God. And most of all, train up a child the way she goes means you walk that way first. Father, use the message. Boy, I thank you for a godly mother that won daddy to the Lord and won me to the Lord, won Diane to the Lord. And God stood by the stuff, self, the stuff, the truth. And God had made a an eternal difference in my little old life. God, I'd probably be an alcoholic today, a drunk, in jail. I don't know what I'd be. I sure wouldn't be a preacher. I probably wouldn't be saved, but Lord, the University of Jacobet intervened in my life. God help us. God help us to teach our children to esteem the riches of Christ over the things of this world. God, to lift high Jesus Christ, God Almighty, that they might see Him who is invisible, that'll make a tremendous, eternal difference because their perspective will be He's high and He's lifted up. He's God and He's Almighty. And he's coming, and he's coming soon. Oh, God, thank you. 
for God-fearing children. Thank you, God, for these parents have tried their best, but the old world, the old pagan world sucked them down. The old secular education convinced them down. Oh, God, oh, God, please have mercy upon the next generation that's coming up. God, spare them, spare them from this terrible world. God, help them to make a difference in this pagan society. God, I never thought that we'd have such an antichrist post-Christian era. And God forbid that they believe the junk that's taught in the schools. And Lord, please have them come to church. God, help them to come to Sunday school. Lord, help them to want to come to Master Club. Please, God, give them a heart for God. Wet their palate with the things of God. Lord, help us to train up the children. Train up these precious little bus kids. And I don't even like to use the word bus kids. But God, their parents ain't coming. We've got to get them here somehow. And Lord, please help us to realize the Christ honor and Bible believing, soul winning, separated church will make a difference in their life as we compliment and help the home make a difference and rebuke the devourer, the deceiver, and the kidnapper called Satan. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm so glad I can give an invitation the people personally. You don't know what it means to me to have you here tonight. To have you here listen to the Word of God. You just don't know what it means to me. Maybe it's a little too soon and some of you probably think that, but thank God for you. Let me ask you a question. Are you going to give up and give in? Are you going to take a stand and that means kneel and ask God to help you continue to make a difference? I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you clearly. As long as your children are breathing, God's able to touch their lives and change their life. Don't you give up. And don't you feel like you're a failure. That's a devil's lie. You're not a failure unless you give up, unless you quit them, unless you stop praying, unless you get bitter and say, that's it. I disown them. They're no longer my children. I believe tonight that God wants to do a work in somebody's life, somebody's heart, to get a heart for God, that your children can feel the tug of the Holy Spirit giving them that desire because they see the desire in your heart, in your life. They see the priorities in your life. And have me say, preacher, by the grace of God, I want to be that kind of parent. I want to be that kind of teacher. I want to be that kind of leader. I just want to come back to God as a nation, and I know it's going to start with me. And that's your prayer tonight, that you come back to God in a real way and let your children see that. Would you raise your hand high for renewal, high for rededication, high for a recommitment to God? Say amen. Praise God, yes. I want to raise my hand. All I got is grandchildren left at home. If they'll keep coming over. I want to make an influence on their life. I want them to see the joy of the Lord. I want, see, I want them to see the peace of God in Papa's life. 
Anybody in here say, preach, I'm not even saved, but I sure would like to be. I want you to pray for me. Wouldn't it be good the first Sunday night back somebody gets saved? You say, preacher, pray for me. I'm not sure I'm saved. Would you slip your hand up? Okay, let's stand quietly to our feet. Maybe you'd like to come to this altar and pray for America. No, let's don't pray for America. Let's pray for ourselves. Let's pray for our homes. Let's pray for our kids. Name them by name at this altar. You say, I've done that a thousand times, preacher. I'm tired of it. No, just do it one more time. Just one more time. Don't give up. One more time. Ask God to increase your faith. One more time. Ask Him to help your children. I don't care if they're 48 years old. They're still your children. They're still your babies. And there's still hope. Come on. Ask God to do a work in their life. They're going to ruin their life. They're going to waste their life. They're going to commit spiritual suicide. Go home early. Anybody else?